All right, all right. Good morning, Trace. How are we doing this morning? Everybody enjoying this beautiful spring Colorado morning? Is there such a thing? Is there such a thing? Hey, we're so glad you're here with us today. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. And let me do this really quick. Uh, if you're new here, uh, then the possibility is that you're kind of in a rotation of trying to figure out, like, where's your next church home. And maybe you moved into the city here recently, a job change. Maybe you were invited. Maybe you're just looking for a new church for whatever uh, reason you're here. We're glad you're here. And we're really thankful that you're here. But let me, let me say this. I think this would be worth you knowing about us. One of the things you should know is that we're on mission here to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And one of the things that we've realized is if we're going to do that, like it's not just a mission statement, we're on mission, like this is who we are. And if we're going to do that, and if we're going to take that seriously, then we need to lose sight of ourselves. And we need to learn how to live interruptible lives, because so many of us, we get so caught up in our own lives that we start to lose sight of people. And God wants us to be a part of loving people. And so that's one of his main focuses for our lives. He makes it clear in the Gospels. And so we're t we're, we take that incredibly seriously. But another thing that you should know about us uh, as a church is that this is a place that you can stop pretending. This is a place that you can stop pretending. And one of the ways that we've voiced this in the past is a form of pretending is also known as hiding. And what we believe here is that you can't hide and you can't heal at the same time. And we really do believe that God wants to bring healing in your life, whether it be relational, spiritual, physical, potentially. And so we need to let you know that this is a place where you can stop pretending, that you can come just as you are there's no reason to pretend when you walk through those doors. You can even belong here. You can belong here before you ever believe. And so if you are new here, once again, I just want to say welcome and thanks for being here for our Sunday morning gathering. Well, we're continuing today in this series called Asking for a Friend, and hopefully you guys have appreciated this series. We've been having some fun with it as well. If you like Google Asking for a Friend, you're going to find all these memes and stuff uh, online that have some fun things to say in the context of asking for a friend. So let me just read a... <clears throat> Read a couple to you really quick. Here's one. So what age do you stop sprinting up the stairs so monsters don't get you? I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for a friend. What about this one? What is the medical condition that makes me want to eat 30,000 calories before I go to bed every night, right? Anybody else? That's definitely me. Not asking for me, asking for a friend. What, why do we make pizzas in circles, put them in square boxes, but then eat them in triangles, I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for a friend. One more. Why do women open their mouths when they put on mascara? Right? <laughs> yeah, you do. Why do you do that? I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for a friend. Well, per many of your questions today, we're going to be tackling something a little bit more serious. And so today we're going to be tackling like, what do we do and how do we live with friendships and how do we live in relationship with people that potentially are living in sin? What do we do when we have friends that are living outside of the will of God. Like, how do, we, how do we interact? What do we do as followers of Jesus? How do we do this? And so here's some questions. If I could sum up many of your questions, here's a few things that I would say. How do we hold to our convictions when the people around us aren't? And where's the line of loving people, but not dismissing or potentially even, even encouraging the sin in their life? My guess is that all of us at some point have felt this tension, haven't we? Not knowing exactly what to do when we're put in certain circumstances and situations where we know that people are doing things that God doesn't want them to do and we know that they shouldn't be doing. And so what do we do? How do we figure this out? And so understanding, and I want to be really clear about this up front, like this is a really hard subject to tackle because depending on the circumstances and depending on the different scenarios and depending on the people and who those people are, I think a lot of these situations are going to look different. 
And so the best thing that I think that I can do for you today is actually build for you what I'm going to call a friendship framework. In other words, how do we approach developing friendships in our life? And where do we put those friends depending on like where their faith is or where their faith isn't? And how do we interact with this? And so an illustration that I'm going to come back to several times is this right here. And so what you'll hear, hear me refer to this inner circle is our inner circle friendships. Like these are people that maybe we, we deal with differently. Maybe these are people that have, we have a deeper connection with, and this is a group of people that we might want to approach uh, differently when it comes to developing these friendships. So these inner circle friendships and then the friendships that may be out here a little bit more. And so you're going to see me come back to this illustration several times. But let me begin here. Have you ever made accusations from a distance? Have you, have you ever made accusations from a distance? It's easy to do that, isn't it? And so, yeah, you have, because most of us are like the rest of us. And so sometimes what we have a tendency to do is we see people and we make a quick assessment and we don't know them, there's no relationship. And so we have a tendency to kind of throw a label, throw an accusation, throw our opinion from a distance because it's easy to do that. I'm, I was really guilty of this when it came to uh, parents and their kids before I ever had any kids. And I remember being in the grocery store and I would be watching these parents who I thought were ho horrible and uh, making these, you know, these horrible accusations because these kids were throwing these all-out tantrums just because they didn't get what they wanted. And I'm like, man, you gotta, you gotta do a better job as a parent. You gotta raise your kid and keep them from having these tantrums just because they don't get what they want. And then I had four kids. And I learned that the grocery store actually has superpowers. Like the grocery store turns my three-year-old into a terrorist. Like it happens, it's a real thing. Can I get an amen, anybody else? Yeah. Have you ever noticed that we often judge or critique what we don't understand? You ever notice that? That we often judge or critique what we don't understand. I've had numerous conversations with people over the years that probably had made some accusations towards people in the LGBTQ community, and they had made even condemning statements until somebody that they knew, somebody in their family, a close friend, came out to them. Guys, what do we do when the distance goes away? When people that we maybe saw out here come in here and potentially even here? What do we, what do, we do? To build this framework for us this morning, I'd like us to look at two particular questions. And these questions are these right here. Should I have friends who aren't Christian? And for what it's worth, there's gonna be a question within this question, which is how do I approach developing friendships and the right kind of friendships? So that's gonna fall within this first question. And the second one is this, what should I do when I have friends who are sinning, when I have friends who are living outside the will of God? So let's begin by tackling this first question together. Should I have friends who aren't Christian? And my first response to that is, yes, I think every one of us as followers of Jesus should have non-Christian friends, but I don't think those friends should be inner circle friends. Let me explain. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, we hear Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, tell us this, the righteous choose their friends, what? Say it out loud. Carefully. The righteous, and we would be considered righteous, not because of anything that we've done, but through the blood of Jesus that covers us by putting our faith and trust in him, God now sees us as righteous. And so the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 
Now, can I take a quick detour really, really fast? Because if you're a parent in here, there's something that I really want you to do today. And I don't do this very often, so hopefully you'll, you'll take me up on this. I want you to write down three statements. And I'm going to give you these three statements. And I promise you these three statements are statements that you're going to want to repeat over and over and over again when it comes to your kids and how they develop future friendships. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Patrick Lencioni, and he says, if it's worth saying, then you haven't said it enough until people are mocking you. And so my hope is that you use these three statements so often that your kids start mocking you. And here's the first one. It is impossible. Everybody say impossible. It is impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. I don't see anybody writing. I'm not joking. We're going to stay here. Like, Get your phone out. Take a picture of these things. Every one of you in here that is a parent needs to remember these, and you need to start talking to your kids about this on a regular basis. Second statement, show, you, show me your friends. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And the last one is this. Your friends will always determine the direction and the quality of your life. Julie, there's some people taking pictures, so feel free to leave that up there just for a moment. Your friends will always determine the direction your friends will always determine the quality and direction of your life. And if these three statements are true, then our faith, our faith in Jesus should be the primary filter for who we allow to be in there. Some of us have struggled in this area. Some of us know right now that either we don't have certain friends even within that inner circle, and I'm going to help develop that for you, or we've allowed the wrong people in that inner circle. I get it. In my younger life, I pursued friendships with kind of two filters in place. Number one, is it going to help the image that I'm trying to build? And is it going to be the kind of people that I want to go party with? Those were the filters that I used because that's ultimately what I was trying to shape. And those filters led me to certain friends that led me to other behaviors that led me to other friends that ultimately, ultimately shaped my future. And I ended up with a pretty rowdy bunch of friends when I was younger. And when we got together, you know what we did? Like, we sinned. That's what we did. And we were good at it. And you've heard me say this before, but if you're not having fun when you're sinning, like, you're doing it wrong. Because it really can be fun. And at the time, you should know this, at the time, I was a believer. At the time, I was a believer. I had faith. I knew what God wanted me to do, but I was surrounded with a group of friends who made it easier for me to do what I know that I shouldn't. And so I could have very much identified with the words of Paul in Romans chapter 7 when he said this, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I, want to, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I want, what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I think all of us get this. But for the sake of us all hearing it together, let me say this out loud. You know what it makes it you know what makes it easier for us to do what we know we shouldn't do? The people that we allow in here. And so again, maybe some of us need to reassess today who is it that we've allowed to be in our inner circle. Proverbs chapter 13, Solomon also says this walk with the wise, and you'll become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So once again, I think, I think every single one of us should have non-Christian friends, but I would discourage you from allowing those non-Christian friends to be in our inner circle because our faith in Jesus 
should be the primary filter in which we're allowing people to, to come into that inner circle. And so that begs the question, who do we allow? Like, who, who do we allow in this inner circle? Who gets in? And I think one of the best first approaches that we could take is actually by looking to the life of Jesus, using his life as an illustration, as a starting point. And we all know that Jesus had 12 guys that he hung out with, right? His 12 main homies. And out of those 12 guys, he had three guys that he spent a little bit more time with. The three guys he went a little bit more deeper with were James, John, and Peter. And I'm sure that there are exceptions, but my guess is that there's not much room for more than three people in the circle. I'm sure there's exceptions. Some of you may be awesome at these kind of friendships. I'm not. And so typically I've had one or two in my inner circle, guys that I would go deeper with. And I, you know, when it comes to like how many people we can fit in the inner circle, I think it lines up with an axiom that goes like this. If you have more than three priorities, you have no priorities. Guys, these friends right here should be the kind of friends that are going to ask you hard questions. These are the kind of friends that are going to want to go deeper with you and want to know, hey, how's your marriage really? How are your eyes really? How are you taking care of your soul really? And these are the type of people that want to see you succeed in your life, in your marriage, in your faith. These are the kind of people that want to go there with you, the kind of people that will go deeper, that will be available at the drop of a dime to come and help you through a season that's just hard. But some of you right now are thinking to yourself, that sounds great, Aaron. But what if I don't have those kind of friends? Like, what do I do if, as you're saying this right now, I'm realizing maybe for the first time that I need those kind of friends, but I don't have those kind of friends. And so the first thing that I would tell you is to pray. Actually, these three things. I would say pray, position, and pursue. Pray for God to give you those kind of friendships, at least one person that's willing to go that layer deeper with you. And then position yourself in environments where you're going to meet those people, places like this, and get in a neighboring group and learn how to go deeper with some of the friendships in your life. I don't think you're going to find these kind of people by going and getting wasted on the weekend in the bar every Saturday night. I don't think you will. And then pursue, like pursue those kind of friendships. And when you think you have found that person, you slide them a note that says, will you be my inner circle friend? Circle yes or no. That's how it works. <laughs> Guys, if you want to faithfully follow Jesus you're going to need really strong inner circle friends. Is that clear? If you want to faithfully follow Jesus, you're going to need really strong inner circle friends. When I look back at the times in my life when I was faithfully following Jesus, I naturally had people around me that were doing the same thing. But when I look back in my life and remember times when I wasn't, the people around me were doing the exact same thing. This is why some of us today need to reevaluate the parameters that we've been using up until today of who we're allowing to get into this inner circle. And maybe some of us realize that we don't have anyone in that inner circle and we need to begin to pray and we position and pursue those kind of friendships using faith in Jesus as the primary filter. Let's look at our second question. What should I do when I have friends who are sinning? Now, my first response to this, because this is hard, okay? I want to be really clear. Like, the, the, to answer these questions is not easy. And so I want to be really clear that I'm not going to be able to give you, like, clear answers, because, again, I think it depends a lot of times on the person and the circumstance. But here's how I would first respond to that question. It depends. It depends if that person is a Christian or a non-Christian. In other words, is that person out here somewhere 
Like, what do I do when I've got a friend that's living outside of the will of God? Are they out here somewhere? Because that would cause a different response. Or are they in here somewhere? Because again, we've already determined that if they're in here, then they should be believers and have faith in Jesus. And so that's going to cause us to have a different response. So let me show you a couple passages that we hear specifically from the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when it comes to non-Christians, unbelievers, he says this, it isn't my responsibility. (laughs) I just spit everywhere. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. It's not my responsibility. In Colossians chapter four, he says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. But let me be clear about something. Being full of grace and seasoned with salt does not suggest compromise. It doesn't suggest compromise, not in the least, Sometimes in our attempt to love people, no matter what, we actually end up affirming sin. And if sin is what actually comes in between us and our Heavenly Father, then we shouldn't even flirt, guys. We shouldn't even flirt with the idea of ever, even the notion that we're affirming sin. And sometimes we do this silently. I've called this silent affirmation. I teach this in leadership settings sometimes, where we silently affirm people by not speaking up. I bet you've been there, where you've been in a situation, you've been in a scenario where something was happening and you were in the middle of it or you were at least a part of it. And because you were experiencing this, everything inside of you said either get out of here or speak up, let people know where you're at, but you were scared to death. And so the only thing that you knew to do was be silent. And in your silence, it's possible that you affirmed someone's sin. Guys, I think we have to be very careful that our silence never leaves people with the impression that we were okay or that we approved with what was happening around us. And I do think it's possible. I really do believe this. I think it's possible to let people know where you stand and love them at the same time. When I, uh, some of you know this, uh, several, man, how long has it been? 15, 20 years ago, I used to own a health club. And when I owned that health club, uh, we had all kinds of different people that would come to that health club. And they were people that were really far from God. And at that point in my life, I'd already made several changes. I was pretty strong in my faith. And so I got to know people that I potentially in the past, and I would say I did, uh, in the past, throw accusations. These were people that I would have thrown accusations. I would have made, made labels. I would have made accusations because I didn't know them. But then I got to know these people that I normally wouldn't have ever spent any time with because they were coming to this health club and they were seeking out you know, advice and uh, nutritional advice and, and weightlifting advice. And I'd be a, the trainer for many of them. And I got to know people that were really far from God and I got to love them. I got to see past the, the image. I got to see past the accusations that I made. And I got to hear real stories of pain and real stories of people not understanding the love of God based on how God was represented to them in a church, in an unhealthy church or in an unhealthy home growing up. And I got to, like, God did something incredible in me, and I still carry it with me to this day. It's a lot of that is how I think about even what we're trying to accomplish as Trace Church. Oftentimes, when I'm even writing a sermon, I start to think about would Leonard, would Melissa, would Liz be welcomed in this church? People that I knew that I got to know that were living really far from God. And because of those relationships and because of me being willing to kind of dive a layer deeper with people and just listen to them, they knew where I stood. And they would let me know really clearly where they stood, oftentimes antagonistic against the faith that I believed in. But we learned to love each other with time and trust each other. And there was a mutual respect. 
And because of that, Emily and I even got to invite strippers to come and be a part of the church that we were part of. We went and had dinner with a 62-year-old atheist named Liz at her farm in the outskirts of Lexington, Kentucky. And we just let her know that we were there because we loved her. And yeah, I'd like to believe she moved a couple steps closer towards Jesus, but we never, never got there with her. But, but what she taught me by having people in my life that weren't Christians and learning to love people that were different than me, that were far from God, it was a whole, like I got a master's degree in biblical studies, but nothing about what I learned in school could have taught me what that season of life taught me. But let me be clear about something, and this is a pivot. I was always the influencer in those relationships. In other words, the sin in their life was not affecting me. And if at any point, any of the sin in their life was causing me to compromise, in other words, I would, if, if I started to drift, if I started to lean in their direction, that would have been the number one indication that I needed to redefine the relationship. And so should we have non-Christian friends in our life? Absolutely, but we should be the influencers. And friends, I gotta tell you, one of the things that scares me the most right now is I'm seeing too many Christians allow the world to be the influencer in their life versus them being the influencer for Jesus in the world's life. And so my hope is that we'll step up to the plate today and that we'll take a new approach. And listen, if you ever standing up for your faith causes someone to walk away from the friendship that you have with them, let them walk away. Let me encourage you from Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always, everybody say always, always, always be ready to explain it. No silent affirmation, no sitting on the sidelines, no silently affirming people in a destructive lifestyle. Now, when it comes to believers and the people that we have, Julie, can you put it back up really quick? The people that we have in this inner circle, the Bible actually gives us a lot more description and instruction when it comes to the sin in people's lives. Let me read a couple passages to you and then I'll come back and we'll hit this for more of a practical standpoint. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, this is something we read a little bit earlier, but let me finish it. It isn't my responsibility, Paul says, to judge outsiders, but then notice what he says. But it is certainly our responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Now, some of us may be like, whoa, 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 I thought we weren't supposed to judge. Like, what just happened? Judge in this context is not throwing stones. Judge in this context is assessing that someone is causing damage in their life because they're leaning too far in the direction of sin and that it's causing damage to their faith. It's causing damage to their family. So we would be foolish and we would be unfriendly to not want to step into that with someone. In Galatians chapter six, Paul says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. Everybody say gently, gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. In Matthew chapter 18, we know this in the ministry world, we know this as the Matthew 18 principle because we use it so often when dealing with conflict or sin in the church. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Guys, this is hard. I want to be, I just want to be really clear about that. This is not easy. This is hard. But God is telling us that it's our responsibility. 
And I have been a part of scenarios and situations where I've had to do this, where it's gone really well. And I've been a part of situations where it's gone really poorly. I have seen where there's been, a because of the relationship that I have with someone, it makes it easier. And then other times with the relationship that I have someone, it makes it a lot harder. Several years ago, I had to step into one of these situations with a good friend of mine, and he probably would have been on the rim, uh, maybe not inside the circle, but he was, he was close. And he was consuming alcohol in a very unhealthy way, and it was affecting his life, it was affecting his family's marriage, it was affecting his faith. And so I stepped into that tension with him and, and tried to, with as much as I could, just speak into his life. And let, let me tell you, just for the sake of anybody that's wondering how to do this, if you feel like you need to do this, like one of the things that I do in prefacing these kind of conversations, because as difficult as they can be, is I let people know up front, it's like, hey, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not here because I've got this figured out. I'm not here because I, I don't have my own struggles. I'm not talking with you because I feel like that I'm perfect and I'm the right person to speak into your life because of how righteous I am. None of that, because I got my junk, man. I got my junk. But I'm talking with you because I love you. I'm talking with you because I care enough to wade into the waters of this tension. And unfortunately, uh, those conversations didn't go very well. And so today, that friend wouldn't even be in this bigger circle. For what it's worth, his marriage ended up falling apart, and I would have pointed to alcoholism as being the primary reason. Hear me out. We aren't responsible for the outcome. All God wants us to do is step into it so that hopefully sin can be overcome. Can I say it again? We're not responsible for the outcome, but God wants us to wade into the waters, wade into the battle of sin with other people so that hopefully sin can be overcome. Guys, some of us fall back into this pattern, and I've already you know, hit on this a little bit, to where we want to we kind of remove ourselves and dismiss ourselves from having to ever deal with some kind of difficult conversation like this. So we use statements like, well, it's not my job to judge. It's not my job to judge. Maybe we'll point to words from Jesus even and make us feel a little bit even, you know, feel even better. It's like, I'm not supposed to point out the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye when I've got a plank in my own. Yeah, I get it. But let me show you the full context of what Jesus actually says in Matthew chapter seven. Let me read it in its full context. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Amen to that. I got a four by four. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye, hypocrite, first, first, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Guys, it is so important that we're dealing with our own crap. It's so important that we're dealing with our own junk, that we're dealing with our own sin so that we can be better prepared to step into it with someone else when that, when that surfaces. Let me say it differently. It is so important that we stay in the fight against sin in our own lives so that we can be better prepared for battle when we need to step into someone else's battle against a sin struggle in their life. And so let me, let me wrap this up. Let me wrap this up and conclude with several different statements. Number one, should you have non-Christian friends? Yes, and let me be clear about something. Should you have non-Christian friends? Yes, and with no strings attached. In other words, they're not just an agenda. You're not just befriending them so that they can, hopefully, you know, you can evangelize to them and they can come to faith in Jesus. Now, I'm gonna speak out of both sides of my mouth. Should you hope for them to have faith in Jesus? Should you hope for them to come to a saving faith 
in Jesus Christ? Absolutely, we would not be good followers of Jesus if we didn't want everyone to come to that realization. But I think people are smart and they will see through an agenda really quickly. So yes, we should have non-Christian friends in our life, but they should not be a part of that inner circle and they should not be causing us to make compromises on our own convictions. It's not our job. It's not our job to judge those outside the church. So for anybody in here today that feels a little convicted about throwing accusations and throwing judgmental statements and throwing labels from a distance, stop. Stop. won't do your heart or soul any good. It's not going to make any difference. And if anything, it's going to continue to cause a bigger chasm between you and potentially uh, people far from God. Last one. Your friends, your friends will always determine the quality and the direction of your life. So choose your friends wisely. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, uh, difficult conversation. Um, much to the fact that a lot of these scenarios and the different things, I bet a lot of people in this room have been thinking about scenarios in their own life and things that are happening in their own life when it comes to their friendships and people or family members that are caught up in a sin struggle. And depending on those circumstances, some of these things, they're just, they just look different. They just look different. But God, I pray you remind us to always come back to your word and make sure that the foundation underneath us for the friendships that we're developing and the people that we're spending time with is biblical and it's something that you would support and encourage. And God, for those people in this room right now that wish they had a friend like that, they wish they had a friend that not only they could go to in a time of need, but maybe, in a fr maybe even the kind of friend that would love them enough to step into their junk right now. Some of us in here know right now that we are caught up in a sin struggle. And we would love for someone to probably call us on it to some extent, right? To step into it with us and to want better for our lives, to want us to pursue Jesus better, to want us to work harder to be a better father and a better husband or mom or wife. And so God, I pray that you would send us those kind of friends, that we would pray for them, we would position ourselves, and we would pursue those kind of friendships above all else. And for the friends that we have in our lives that are non-Christians, God, that we would be gentle. That we would be gentle and that we would always be seasoned with salt. And that we'd always lead with grace. But God, that we would stand for truth. And that we would never fall back into silent affirmation. God, this is tough. So we need the power of your Holy Spirit to help us in this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.